For March 4th, 2019, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 557, Pizzeria Quattro. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we are hanging out together, talking over the things that interest us. Usually it's a movie or a TV show, uh, but really any excuse is a good excuse to get together with my smart, funny friends. I have a feeling we got a movie coming up next week. So this week, uh, I'm going to sit down with my smartest my funniest i have no smarter funnier friend than you pete fenzel oh thanks literally literally every overthinker who's listening to this podcast (laughs) is like f that guy no no he knows to me he knows you're flattering me because i'm here that's why (laughs) yeah well pete it's uh it's i feel like uh if you like matt rather you might also like Pete Fenzel. I feel like the algorithm would recommend you uh, if someone clicked like on me. Or is that a bad assumption? I don't know. Do you feel like we check different boxes demographically? You know, I feel like it's a really interesting question, but I feel like you're neglecting the base rate prevalence and making this supposition, Matt. (laughs) <laughs> you gather what I mean? Oh, no. you didn't even, that's not even a joke. Oh, okay. Go on. Let me explain to you, right? So, Matt, if you were trying to predict that somebody would like me, you might say, okay, let's let's look at the correlation. We're going to do a little Bayesian statistics style here, right? What's the correlation of people liking you and people liking me? I would say that it's like higher than 0.5, but less than one, right? Kind of in that range. Like not everybody who likes you likes me, probably not everybody who likes me likes you, uh, but, yeah, but it's it's, it's, a, it's a greater than even money bet that if yes, you like yes. me, you're going to like Pete Fenzel. Uh, however, what we need to consider is not just the correlation between the two things, but in what way the correlation of this piece of information relates to the base rate. So like, for example, let's say that like I was a really heinous bank robber, right? And like nobody liked me. <laughs> But it just so happened that we like ran in the same social circles, right? Uh, that that would that if we ignored the sort of base rate of how many people like me or how many people like you, then using the correlative information about comparing me and you uh, might not really be as effective as we think. So like. We would want to look – I think that the base rate of how much people like me and how much people like you is like probably about the same, but we would want to measure it, right? We would want to track like what's the actual likelihood of this happening, and then let's modify it by the correlation of liking Pete and liking Matt rather than starting from nothing and just throwing in the, the either-or comparison. That would be my proposal. In fact, Matt – Let's let's make a Netflix of ourselves today. Let's talk a little bit about algorithms and correlations, if, if, if you don't mind. I feel like it would be interesting. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely it absolutely would. Now there is an ironclad rule in our household, which is that you have to use your own damn Netflix profile. <laughs> okay, I'm sick of the view showing up on my Netflix recommendations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I liked Whoopi Goldberg when she was young and edgy. Like, the Fontaine stuff, those are great one-person shows. Like, uh, <laughs> fantastic theater. And she did all kinds of, all kinds of great stuff. But, uh, you know, last 10 years, last 10 years of Whoopi, I, I, uh, I don't, uh, I really don't, uh, mess with, with that stuff. And so the, uh, so I, I don't want the view on my, 
on my recommendations. So uh, log into your own profile. Log in. Go, go, click left, let up, up to, up to. I said, no, that was a left. Up to. Click on the little yellow face. Select your little yellow face. Good. Okay. Now watch all the Joy Behar you want. So funny you should mention, Matt, because this situation came to mind that you're describing. I want to paint a picture for you. And this is all going to loop back to us talking about algorithms and and algorithms and pop culture and you and your relation to both of them or me and my relation to both of them and our relation to each other and correlation and causation and whatnot. Um, Do you think, Matt, that because uh, liking you or liking me do you think liking you because you liking me and then liking you or liking you and then liking me is more correlative or more causal? Like, oh, I met Matt and then I met another overthinker. And because I like Matt, I like them already. But anyway, putting that aside, um, my wife was watching and I don't say it in the Borat speak, although I could. My wife, I won't. Um, too late. So she was watching Netflix and she was getting recommendations from Netflix. Right. And she got a recommendation that I would best characterize as problematic because it introduces some problems. And this recommendation was for the show Breaking Bad. Now, my wife watches Almost exclusively, uh, if if you were to divide Netflix into cake shows and murder shows, which has been a meme going around lately, she almost exclusively watches the cake shows. And uh, she she does watch some of the murder shows, but those are mostly on Amazon. So it's possible that they're capturing data about each other. So she'll watch Unsolved Mysteries over on Amazon. Uh, But but on Netflix, she's been watching Great British Bake Off, uh, this Australian show about making desserts, uh, a bunch of kind of fun, feel-good, delicious shows that she watches on Netflix. And she hates Breaking Bad. And she, she hates kind of like dire drama of that sort in general. But because we have the same Netflix account, right? Uh, every once in a while, I watch something on her Netflix account. And because of that, Netflix has this sense that there's a certain likelihood, right, that whoever is using this account or that this account, right, um, is is likes Breaking Bad. And so it's recommending to her Breaking Bad. Now, there's a couple of different ways we could suggest, okay, okay, why is Netflix recommending Breaking Bad to her? There's a couple of different hypotheses you could advance. I don't have the data to justify each one. But I do want to point out the idea that it does – the first idea, perhaps, that I call into sh- to relief here is that, like, Netflix has this algorithm that relates to our account and made this recommendation that doesn't fit at all. And, Matt, what does that make you feel? What does that make you think? What's your thought around this algorithm? Oh, it makes me angry. <laughs> so mad. Smash. Smash algorithm. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it it's not it's not super great, but also that like either it's a bad algorithm or it has bad inputs, right? That's true. I think I would advance a, a third option to add to those, right? It's either a it's a bad algorithm in that like with the inputs that you put and what is an algorithm, right? An algorithm is something where it's a process. You could write an algorithm on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be in a computer. Uh, it's just something where if you put in inputs, you get outputs, and it's repeatable, which is something that human judgment is not because human judgment is rooted in like feelings and biases and changes from mood to mood and situation to situation uh, and for various reasons. But this algorithm is supposed to sort of take in information and give you out information. So either it's a bad algorithm. It's taking the information uh, that it, it wants, right? 
uh, and, it, and, it, and the information that it gets, it's spitting up bad information or it's getting bad information. And that's kind of what we're proposing here. Right. Um, which is that like, oh, well, it's making a bad recommendation to Sarah because it's getting uh, it's it's getting information that's con- that's being uh, confounding from me. But then you could also think, well, it's not really making recommendations to Sarah. It's making recommendation to Sarah's account. And yeah. Sarah's my wife, by the way. So so for the account, it might be a good recommendation. So then a third option would be that the al- we have to clarify who the algorithm is working for and why and what that means. Right. What does that mean for an algorithm to be serving an interest? Because I think people focus too much on human versus machine and not enough on the idea that machines are extensions of human agency and they represent uh, interests and are set up by, by people. Uh, even when they're machine learning machines, there are still people who set them up and and thus there's a connection between their goals. I guess the fourth idea would be that there is an interference of bias and somebody from Netflix has decided that, well, that algorithm is bad. Breaking Bad is the best show ever. This person should watch Breaking Bad regardless of what the algorithm says. So that's like the fourth possibility. So because I mean, yeah. p- because I've worked in publishing uh, in a technological capacity for the last gosh, almost 10 years now, right? Um, I am I am well-versed with both mentalities. One, the, the quote-unquote data-driven mentality of kind of we have to give people more of what they want uh, in right. a way that they want it more, in a way that they'll, that they'll consume it more, and we should use their patterns to kind of create this kind of reinforcing feedback loop based on what we know about their behavior. We're, we should uh, We should get in front of them, the things that are going to make them do that behavior and do that behavior more. I, I have a feeling we'll get into the problems with this mentality later. The other, um, the other mentality that I am very familiar with is no, no, no. I have been a publisher for 50 years. I am a mm-hmm. tastemaker. I am an expert. I know better than any algorithm. I know better what the audience wants than the audience wants themselves. The Henry Ford style. They can have the magazine in any color as long as it's black. You know? Right. And that that like uh that 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 sort of uh, hubristic uh I guess, you know, um assertion of self that kind of artist artistry of the artistry of the curation um that makes people uh make bad business decisions a lot a lot of the time because they're they're sure um they're they're sure that they know what to do but they don't realize that the world has changed around them uh and and that you know you really should not bother my engineering team because the site doesn't look good on your blackberry it will never look good on your blackberry throw your blackberry away anyway sorry (laughs) I, i entered a fugue state there for a minute no, no, no. Blackberries do that to people. That was kind of why they originally eventually got rid of them, right? Is that they, everything ground to a halt when everybody wandered off into the desert? Oh, no, that was Breaking Bad when he went right. to the Fugue State and wandered off into the desert. So, yeah, so it's interesting. I, I find it interesting, this idea of what people want, which I, I, I want to I crack into that a little bit because that is a loaded statement, I think. And this is partly from also not maybe coming from as much of a background in this data-driven stuff as you, though some of it. Because I do, I do work in a um, communications and marketing and messaging field that has a lot to do with kind of data and and uh, and kind of trying to convince people of things. Um, but you know, 
and honestly, whether you use data, whether you use emotion, like what works, how do you influence people making decisions, things like that, all interesting stuff. Um, but this idea of what people want is interesting because when you're looking at the behavior, right, it's, it's, um, you're, you're creating a behavior or not, you're creating, you're observing a result and you're trying to repeat the result. But that's not necessarily the case that the result represents what people want in the full sense of the word, which I think is is skipped over a lot of the time. Um, I guess I guess we could say there's a couple of different definitions. Then we get into a semantic discussion of the word want in this context. Like, what is it that people want uh, from Netflix when they watch Netflix and how does that change? And also, what does the what is the want that is assumed in the way that the algorithm is set up? Because the algorithms like the genius of algorithms, right, isn't necessarily that they are better at figuring out people because they're superior observers of people. It's because they're able to look at data and ignore uh, subconscious bias and things like that, right? And just sort of make a determination from what they actually see and what they can actually measure. Um, but of course, what they can see and measure is going to dictate like what they figure out and what they determine. Um, I mean, let me ask you this, Matt. Do you think that Netflix gives you what you want? Well, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> really? Sure. Because yep. like you have to look at what they're incentivized to do. Like what what is a success condition for them? And I, you know, and now now I'm really diving out of my depth in terms of machine learning. It's not my special as a specialty as a software engineer. It's not my specialty as a technology uh, person. I've worked around it more than I've worked with it. But I have tried like uh, getting into some online classes, some online courses and getting certifications in machine learning uh, because it's so hot right now. But the, the, the thing is I'd have to learn Python um, and my Python is not so good. I'd have to get a lot better with it. And that's, uh, you know, uh, that's a, a very dangerous snake to, to, to <laughs> try to wrangle. Um, but, but my, you know, my understanding is that machine learning maps uh what they call a training set a training data set um to outputs to outcomes right and you mark certain of those outcomes as successes as success as the success condition and certain of those algorithms as uh failures right and in a sort of complicated way with every input feeding into every other input in this kind of like uh, convoluted, I think actually convolutional is one of the types of neural network um, set of kind of reducing algorithms. Uh, you try to reverse engineer the process so that you are mapping um, so that you can predict whether a given input is likely to lead to a success condition or to a failure condition based on the training data that you have. And a lot of them then a lot of, sorry, a lot of them, a lot of implementations of this kind of logic then also kind of self-correct as, uh, as they are used by real users and they can like experiment. You can kind of run tests on things. The machine can run tests, uh, in some sort of predetermined deterministic way and discover through it, not exactly discover, but, but, uh, discover in the sense of take the cover off, uh, right. bring, bring to light, um, Make known. Yeah. yeah, hitherto unknown, um, 
sets, uh, inputs or sets of inputs that, that will lead to a success condition. You're trying to reverse engineer that. My, my understanding is that the actual math is not that hard. It's like college level math, like a lot of linear algebra, like a lot of regressions and stuff. Though if, if anyone, uh, listening is an expert in this field, I'd love to be well actually in the comments and to hear uh, a little more about this, but it, it's, but it's not that the individual math is that, that the individual calculation or the individual, um, you know, uh, type of mathematics, uh, theory being employed is that complicated is that there's so much being employed of it so quickly that that is, that that's what makes it, uh, that's what makes it impracticable for a, a human being to do this because you can have, you know, millions or tens of millions or, you know, even orders of magnitude greater than that of, of inputs, um, mapping mapping to outputs and so okay so you gotta you gotta say what is netflix incentivizing right Mm -hmm. so in back in the old days this is kind of there's an interesting story with netflix about this because back in the old days of the five-star rating system do you do you remember it i remember it well i went through all all of my netflix dvd rentals and you know five-starred them uh, you know, not five starred them. I rated them in stars and the five stars and things like this. Um, and Netflix had a prize that I think was substantial. I think it was a million dollars to the person or team of people who could improve the accuracy of its algorithm of to improve the accuracy of its ratings predictions by 10%. That is to say your system for generating uh, ratings predictions. I'm trying not to use the A word because I feel like it'll get uh, super monotonous if we keep saying algorithm, mm-hmm. algorithm, algorithm, and and then mm-hmm. suddenly Beetlejuice shows up and the whole, uh, the you know, and and we start singing uh, the banana boat song. But the the um, the success condition was if the recommendation engine produced a recommendation that matched what the eventual user uh, clicked in. Right. So if the red stars matched the yellow stars, uh, if you mm. recall, when you actually made a choice, they, they turned from red um, predictive stars to yellow actual, uh, actual stars. And um, so this was something that you could measure. You could, you know, split test the, uh, the different recommendations engines. And if one got you significantly closer, um, you were better. Now, the the that all went away when it Netflix turned into a, a streaming service, um, which I guess was all uh, always in the cards. And I, I think an executive from Netflix said said this kind of jokingly once said we called it Netflix, not DVDs through the mail, and that that uh, that that was like always kind of what they were what they were aiming towards. But the dynamics of waiting for a movie in the mail are very different from the dynamics of waiting for, uh, of, you know, clicking on something right now, you know, it waiting for something through the mail. It's almost like, uh, an occasion. It's almost like a special event that, that you're trying to plan and you're sort of getting into people's, um, you know, thinking about the special event. You're also getting into the weird slippage between their self-image and their actual behavior, which is another uh, thing I think we'll get into later on the show because um, 
I took out uh, Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai and had the DVD of it from Netflix just sitting next to the DVD player for 18 months <laughs> before before I actually like shamed myself into watching it. Now, it's a brilliant uh incredible like work of cinema it's very demanding and i was right to wait 18 months like i was not in the mood there was no time at no time in that 18 months <laughs> was i in the mood to sit down and watch three hours of of seven samurai now the the dynamics are different when it's a a um the dynamics are different when it's a, a thing you click on your screen and it immediately pops up and and starts playing and you get into different kinds of psychology. Like you're almost more trying to, rather than trying to create an event as the consumer of that, rather than trying to like have a good date night movie or have a good, you know, uh, I don't know, fun movie with friends or something like that, movie night, rather than creating movie nights. You know what I mean? You're, you're all, it's almost interstitial time. It's almost like not even really a thing. You're putting something on in the background while you, you know, do some light housework or you're, uh, or you're scratching a particular psychological itch. Like I'm really stressed out. Let me watch some people make a cake, you know? And that that's like that, that's the different dynamics. So they actually stopped doing the uh, recommendation contest because they found it wasn't, um, their their success condition had changed uh and then um they switched to the thumbs up thumbs down rating and uh now give you a percentage score of like we're 79% sure you'll like this you'll you'll rate this a thumbs up if you were to to take the trouble of uh of rating this thing i mean i i rate things on netflix because i want things to um i want things to to pop up that i'll i'll be interested in but that like so the success so anyway long way around the bar long story short too late the long way around the barn to say the success condition for netflix is that you keep using their service irrespective of what you want now, this is weird because I always thought the success condition of Netflix was that you continue paying for their service without actually using it because bandwidth is not right. free. <laughs> The know? Planet Fitness solution, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that's yeah. like put the lunk know. alarm. Oh, this person's waiting a year and a half to watch Seven Samurai. Send them over to Boston Sports Club where they can they can deal with that nonsense. I mean, we want people who get in, eat the pizza, run on the treadmill for twenty minutes, and get out. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of thing. But no, uh, it's it's a little different. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, uh, that's that is. Uh, I mean, uh, honestly, they want you to get into the to the, uh, the health club now because. Because they want to sell you smoothies or something. It's all about the like. <laughs> it's about the value-added services now. Those are the high margin. Uh, those are the high margin things, especially in in cities where real estate is really expensive. They got to sell you a lot of athleisure to uh, to cover their dollars per square foot. But but we're getting we're getting off topic. Do you see Do you see what I'm saying? That like Netflix is not there to give you what you want. It's there to keep you clicking it's there to keep you in that like bf skinner you know behavioral psychology experiment of like uh or a classical conditioning experiment i guess of like to keep hitting the pellet to get that little dopamine hit you know right um and that's like uh uh that's the the success condition you know and then and then of course they shame you for it because if you've ever streamed like maybe more than four hours of netflix uh at a 
stretch. They send you this passive aggressive message. It's like, are you, are you sure you're still there? Yes, I'm sure I'm still there. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Play more Doctor Who. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I hear what you're saying, definitely. Uh, and I 100% agree, uh, which is that I think it's important to think, remember that that Netflix is trying, and Netflix and all sorts of services like Netflix that use these kinds of uh, processes are trying to get you to use their products. And I think that I w- but I would also flip it a little bit and, and raise, suggest it in this way too, that Netflix isn't just using an algorithm in order to get, and I'm, I'm brainstorming as I'm talking here. They're not just using an algorithm in order to get you to watch more Netflix. They're using an algorithm in order to, uh, to sidestep the fact that if they were to give their own people the task of getting you to watch more Netflix, the the biases of their own people would get in the way of them effectively being able to recommend content to you. And also would get in the way of them being able to uh, produce content that they feel like would accomplish their goals. Because I think the idea that people like a TV show, you know, mostly based on luck, you know, and uh, it's it's sort of uh, the idea whether a TV show is good or bad or somebody enjoys it or doesn't enjoy it. A lot of it's going to come down to chance. You can't really predict it before you produce it. I'm just I'm thinking about when they made House of Cards and they because they they found out that people were watching Kevin Spacey shows and Kevin Spacey movies rather. And they were also watching House of Cards and they're like, oh, we can make this show House of Cards with Kevin Spacey and it'll it'll match this data that we have. And it's interesting because it's like. By using a simple, even even a simple algorithm, even if it's repeated many times, they're able to achieve a better long-term success in their goals than if they were to um, give the same task to a bunch of people who would make these judgments based on information that was coming into those people, it, which is interesting to think about because I think a lot of people, myself included, and this this is kind of a recent thought – I've looked at these platforms like, oh, I object to the way that this platform makes recommendations to me. I reject the way that this platform deals with me. This platform doesn't really take care of what I want. Why am I assuming that this is something that the platform should even be a little bit interested in? If there's a power of algorithm out there, why am I not using it in my own interest? Why don't I set up algorithms of some kind for what I want to watch and follow those algorithms? Because because here's the thing. An algorithm is great for replacing humans if the algorithm eliminates the biases and the, the cognitive problems and shortcomings that humans have in making decisions. But if the algorithm amplifies your biases and your cognitive problems, it's not helping your planning or your decision making, right? It's like like Netflix – Netflix recommends something to me like um, – what's a good example of something Netflix recommends to me all the time? That it's depending on me making like a short term underthought decision to watch like what um, gosh, what like all sorts of random pretty much every random anime show that they recommend to me. It's like, oh, he watched he watched some anime once on Netflix. I'm going to throw a whole bunch of anime at the wall and see what sticks. And uh, and this idea that, like, if I were just sort of sitting there with nothing to do and I just sort of started clicking through the anime, I would be following a kind of 
cognitive shortcoming of like, oh, well, this looks familiar, sort of. That's this so, looks like something so that I watched Pete. recently. Mine, right? mine is uh, like dour British police procedurals set in like <laughs> set in small villages. By the way, I highly recommend Shetland. To... Oh, I was going to say, did you watch Broadchurch? Is that what you watched? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I probably yeah. watched Broadchurch, right? And yeah, all and and. Uh... Of Academy Award winning, uh, what's her name? Olivia. Uh, Olivia, it, yeah, Olivia Coleman. And yeah. uh, the, what was he, the 10th Doctor? David Tennant, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm like, I'm like trying to look and see what Netflix is recommending to me now, right? Like I could have just binge watched the entirety of Jeopardy, right? Although we did talk about Jeopardy recently. Um, I could watch top, top picks for Peter. I'm not going to watch Bert Kreischer, The Machine. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to click on it. Wait, what, right? what even is that? Is that a stand-up comedy special? Or is that like a, a, a weightlifting thing? Or what's that? It is a stand-up set of a shirtless stand-up comic with a beard. I don't know whether it's that this guy is has a beard and is sometimes shirtless because he doesn't have air conditioning <laughs> in his garage gym. Like, I don't know what's going on. It, it might be because I watched at one point Brad Paisley's comedy special. Uh, because I personally like Brad Paisley and it's like, oh, he likes country stuff or stand up stuff. It doesn't necessarily matter why, because they didn't necessarily have to come up with a reason. They just probably found a correlation right between people who watch whatever it was that I watched that brought this up and this show. And like, oh, he'll watch the show. And it's like, well, I have no maybe the show's good, but I have that's, no real interest in watching I mean, but it. But that's that's so perfect, right? Like. That's so perfect. Brad Paisley is a perfect example because you can be interested in Brad Paisley and I'm interested in Brad Paisley um, because of a lot of individual characteristics of Brad Paisley without necessarily wanting more country music or things that are country music adjacent. Right, right, right. And that yeah. that's like, that's a sort of, uh, you know, a sort of a weakness of, the, of these kinds of things. Weird Al, I think, I think it was Weird Al who made a joke about it in a song that like, I, I uh, recorded one episode of Will and Grace and now TiVo thinks I'm gay. And that like yeah. the whole, you know, uh, there, there is a kind of what a sort of coarse, you know, collaborative filtering kind of, uh, way of doing this that like feels feels like it doesn't generate it doesn't recommend things to you that 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 well, you would actually like well well because here's the thing is that it's recommend you're recognizing right and you know this better than i do is that you're recognizing that predicting anything is really bad like you you're not very likely to be correct when you predict pretty much anything and there are things you can predict with a certain amount of certainty uh, because they are, you know, governed by and have a high correlation with things that are observable, like the path of a baseball that you throw at a certain angle in a vacuum, right? Or even without much wind, you could predict that, but you can't predict what kind of what t- how a TV show is going to do in the future or whether somebody is going to like it with absolute certainty. So with the algorithm, if you're setting up an algorithm to try to get people to watch the show more, you got to recognize that you're not always going to be right. So you got to aim for the fat part of the bell curve a lot, right? Like you aim for – you have to consider the base rate of like, well, the people – yeah, sure. Maybe the person watching this is like a person who likes you know, kind of a post-classic camp genre engagement of a general sort of the kind that Brad Paisley does with country music and also is somebody who is eclectic with regards to actively pursuing different sorts of genres – you know, but if you consider the base rate, they probably like country, and that's why they like Brad Paisley, right? 
Um, and, and so they make the recommendation that's likely to work. If you want the, if you want to have something that, if you know yourself better or you know what you want better, then they know their data set, right? Because their their base rate for what they're trying to do is different from the base rate of you're trying to do. It's on you in some way to institute your own algorithm or your own kind of decision making process, which I guess you could do by just being like, oh, this is garbage, and and like not watching any or not watching you know anything at all. Um, or just going back to YouTube and watching more magic cards, which is one of the things I do way too much, but, uh, or just arguing on Reddit or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Wait, it's, wait, it's, Reddit, Reddit's a great, Reddit's a great example. Or Pete, yeah. have you fallen into the rabbit hole that is Quora ever? Oh, uh, no, because every time I try to go on Quora, it's like, every time I look up something and it leads me to Quora, it's like, do you have an account on Quora? Yeah. And I was do. like, no, of course I don't. No, Why you, have would to, I? you have to register for an account because yeah. the real product of Quora is their ability to guess what you'd be into, right? Oh, interesting. So, right. So this, I mean, this is the thing, the thing that they're, they're really selling. It's this sort of, it's framed as like a question and answer sort of thing where like, um, People can pose questions, you know, uh, and they in various categories, and then uh, people with expertise or or experience in a particular area can answer. Like, what are the five best restaurants in Chicago or something like? I mean, that's yeah. not a good one. There tend to be more. Yeah. Aren't they, they called more... Uno, Dos, Tres, Cuatro? <laughs> <laughs> I've only been to Uno. I haven't been to the others, but I hear the other four are great. Yeah, yeah, Pizzeria <laughs> Cuatro in in yeah. particular. Well, they have four cheeses Bella. on yeah. the. <laughs> On the on the pizzas, um, or it's actually four. Uno, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, and cinco are actually like one deep dish, and then like double the depth of that deep dish. So it's kind of like a it's it's kind of like a cake pan full of uh, full of pizza up to cinco, which is like a cauldron, just a bubbling cauldron of cheese. <laughs> it's just a dish that continues to deepen until it becomes a kind of Mobius strip of top topological paradox. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, it's just one crust and one cheese and and uh they they sort of loop endlessly exactly it's like like a chocolate fountain fun dupont just (laughs) endlessly endlessly cycling molten cheese over and over and over and and so okay so um the uh the then people people answer questions the the answers are upvoted so there is some sort of collaborative filtering that's applied to the uh applied to the answers um so the best ones rise to the top and then you when you register for an account it you know you give it three topics that you're interested in it starts sending you a daily digest email of like questions you might be interested in and based on what you click on it refines its picture of you such that it recommends different things to you now the the um net result of this is that it's all porn. It's just all <laughs> it's just all you know, it's gone completely dirty and you have to actually take steps to disable that, you know, uh sexuality study. I forget what the name of the category is. You gotta like uh take that out if you don't want to read that and you wanna read about some sort of abstruse corner uh of internet fandom like Harry Potter or something. I don't know why I've been getting a lot of Harry Potter recently. Uh I also like the ones where airline pilots tell airline pilot stories. That's 
pretty fun um and some other and some other things but like you know i don't know who's the hottest girl you slept with in college right like tell us the details like that's just like ugh and and they're not real and they're you know and <laughs> they're not even real dear quora i thought none of the letters in your in your uh, internet publication were real anyway right so this is this is the problem right you have a publication that reinforces people's biases you know and like uh there's a reason in every set of like in in the sort of the chum box for every publisher of the like outbrain tabula recommended articles like two of them are bikini girls you know Right. Dude, you know, because dudes click on those, you know, and that's that's uh, and when you have this kind of when you create this positive feedback loop, you know, you're you're not exposing people to new content that they didn't. Uh, you know, that they didn't know that they liked, you're not putting a, a pretentious film buff like me in touch with the immortal seven samurai by Akira Kurosawa. You know, you're just repackaging what they like already and, uh, kind of selling it back to them in slightly redigested form. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I would, I, yeah, I would also add that, like, from the perspective of, of, of me, of us, right, of you, of me, of the people who are engaging with these platforms, there's this assumption that of the, what the person is that gets baked into discussing these kinds of things because people are not unimodal, right? Would that be the right way of saying it? People don't have just one mode. Right. They're bimodal, I think. Is that is that safe to say that people are bimodal? They probably have more modes than just two. Um, I mean, I love modes, and that, that's a third one. You could have some ice cream. Yeah, but- I, don't, I don't know. Like, Facebook did a study once, and this, I think, was internal. I'd have to, to look up. If I, if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But did a study of, like, the modes that people use Facebook in, and they were, like, loneliness, depression, like, <laughs> boredom. You know, they were all these, these super negative states of mind uh but but sorry i'm i'm hijacking your point oh no but that's not what i meant by mode okay. right like when i meant mode i meant like the statistical mode that like the most if you were to take all of the f- decisions and thoughts and ideas that constitute your personality and you were to graph them i think that you would find two clusters and one cluster much much bigger than the other and the big cluster is the one that all the companies are going after because it's the one that motivates this kind of behavior and that serves their interest. But you should remember your second cluster because you're the only one who's going to look out for your second cluster. No one else is going to look out for for other than you, except for maybe the kind of teacher that Morgan Freeman ends up playing in a movie someday, right? Like, it's, uh, which is that the first mode is or, is or Sean Connery or Joe Pesci for that matter. <laughs> Any now, any pots, you know, it, it's for all I know. Uh, it's uh, Lawrence Fishburne. There we are, <laughs> or Ben Kingsley, or both Lawrence Fishburne and Ben Kingsley. But the um, it's like my favorite movie, uh, Sideways. <laughs> but at any rate, this idea that Wait, you your have favorite movie is Sideways. <laughs> and see uh the uh I'm, you know i've never been to the wine region oh i had a, I had a, I had a very good edit line before pete it was oh you like brad 
Paisley personally. I don't like or dislike Brad Paisley personally because I don't know Brad Paisley personally. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> nice. Very nice. So, but the idea being that you have a self that is all of your kind of gut thinking and your, and I mean, I've been just, I've been deep, I've been talking about it off and on in the podcast for weeks. I've been making my way through Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Okay, so good. That's, yeah. that's what I thought that you immediately yeah, put that's in mind system, system one and system two thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, you want to give some background on that to people? Oh, sure. Daniel Kahneman yeah. is one, and he won the Nobel Prize, I think, or I think he shared it. Um, he would have shared it, but his partner was dead, so yeah. he got it alone. You don't give the Nobel Prize to dead people, so they just have a party without you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, or, I mean, they may have a party without you anyway, like Bob Dylan found out, but the, the, um, the, there was, a, he's recently published a book called thinking fast and slow, which distills a lifetime's worth of research and is fantastic. And, and if you're interested in this stuff, you should definitely read it. If you like the behavioral psychology stuff, if you like the behavioral economic stuff, if you've watched Dan Ariely's Ted talks, right? Like you should, you should, uh, get to Daniel Kahneman because he was a, an influential uh, scientist who really set the course of a lot of this, um, a lot of this research. And he, yeah, and so it's, it's a book about the functioning of the mind of the functioning of the brain, I should say. And it identifies cognitive biases. That is to say, it, it identifies predictable errors that the brain will make uh, confronted with certain kinds of, of patterns of information, patterns of stimuli. And and um, and he identifies, uh, broadly speaking, two sorts of thinking, um, fast and slow, right? And the fast thinking is is the uh, kind of the automatic response type of of thinking that you're talking about, and the slow thinking is the kind of deliberative, uh, right? type of type of thinking and there there are you know it's it's more complicated than that but there it's a it's a popular book it's meant for a general audience and so it doesn't go into to all the nuances or or something like that i would sort of complicate it more pete i think i mean i think that that you know neurological scholarship shows that like if you have i don't know four or five dials in your brain you know, mm-hmm. your like social positioning dial, your survival dial, your self actualization dial. I, I mean, I don't know what they what they all are. Your you know emotional safety dial, things like that. That you you probably have maybe half a dozen different configurations of those that are your kind of go to set points for when you're uh, when you're crabby or when you're feeling good or when you're um, annoyed or when you're, you know what I mean? Like, uh, all the, sorry, all my examples are negative today, crabby and annoyed. Um, the right that, and that, that like, so it's probably not just bimodal. It's probably even more, uh, even more than that. And this is a problem with, this is a problem with sort of predictive algorithms is you don't know what I don't know what Pete Fenzel I'm getting, right? Am I getting Pete, Pete sub one, Pete, or Pete prime, Pete double prime, Pete triple prime? Uh, wow, we have, a, we, have, we have a pretty good episode of Star Trek The Next Generation here, right? With like <laughs> Pete, Pete prime, Pete double prime, and Pete triple prime all meeting in the holodeck. I mean, what, what on earth will happen? But, the, you know, I don't know what I'm getting. And this is actually why more and more... They're interested in super invasive, uh, privacy destroying information that they can get about you through other means, right? 
Um, yeah, yeah. Alexa, stop spying on me. <laughs> we can't. Hear she's, oh, that. she's answering. She says that by default, she only sends audio back to Amazon when uh, when she, when uh, I when she performs a when she performs a query. It's funny. Um, hey, Dingus, stop spying on me. Must be a common enough query that they have a stock answer kind of chambered and ready to go, yeah. uh, ready to go for it. But like that, that information, the more information, um, that they have about you, uh, about the context of your, um, the more information that they have about the context of your, uh, communication, the better they can figure out which, which Matt, which Pete is, uh, showing up. Right. Yeah, I suppose. But I I think um, thinking about all of these low friction online environments, I think you got to think that there is a intrinsic lean in these kinds of setups to access your fast thinking. And you're and this refers this is like priming and anchoring and all that other stuff he talks about in the book. Uh, This is the stuff like. The, the what does the screen look like inside of Netflix, right? Like, oh, it's got a big picture of Kimmy Schmidt across the top that shows up by default now. And this is going to kind of set the expectation that maybe you want to watch Kimmy Schmidt or it's just going to plant the idea of Kimmy Schmidt in your head. And then you're going to be thinking about whether to watch it. And then it might bump up the degree to which people watch Kimmy Schmidt. This is not exotic. It's a billboard, right? But there's a now that we have a deeper understanding of how it works, it's like we can we can set up the billboards around you to try to affect your behavior. But I think it is consistently going to engage with the part of you that makes decisions quickly without really making effortful thinking, because that's the way that they're going to get most of the benefit, right? Is that, and that, um, and I think it's important because they, if they were just to do this using their low effort thinking, they wouldn't be able to do it. They can only do it because they get past their low effort thinking, which would be like, oh, I love Rambo. Rambo's the best show and I'm great at programming computers. Make them watch Rambo. They'll love it, right? No, you measure what they actually watch and uh, and they'll make their choices and then you use the data that you have to make other choices. Um, and, and it's sort of like a way of kind of preserving the intelligence of your kind of deeper, your kind of system to thinking is to like sit down and write here. I'll walk you through a, a kind of al- algorithm development system, right? In my thinking here and, and, and stop me if, if you've heard this before, this would be like a simple way of developing an algorithm, right? Like, let's say that you had a situation where you walk past a bakery on the way to work. And when you encounter the bakery, you measure your relative preferences in that moment and you determine that you want to buy a cinnamon roll, right? And you want to buy a cinnamon roll. So you go to the bakery, you end up buying a cinnamon roll and the coffee smells really good. And you buy a, a big cappuccino and you do this every time you walk past the bakery. So you end up doing it twice a day. Um, you might sit back after all this is said and done and be like, man, like I didn't want all those cinnamon rolls. I didn't want all that coffee. But you did – you wanted it in the sense of at the time you weighed the pluses and minuses and how you considered them and you bought it, right? Like – and in that, that, in that sense, it's the part of you that's thinking quickly. You could establish an algorithm in which you could sit down and be like, OK, here's how the algorithm works. Uh, I'm going to put aside how – you know, let's say X dollars for the week 
And I am going to say, okay, when you encounter a cinnamon roll, uh, look at uh, variable Y. Uh, variable Y is like the amount of money I've already spent on cinnamon rolls this week, right? It's like X minus the amount of money I've spent on cinnamon rolls this week uh, is, is what's left in Y. And then you divide X by the number of days in the week, right? And you see if Y that's left is uh, less than or equal to the number of days remaining in the week or so on and so forth, right? You set up an algorithm that can determine outside of bias whether you would go and buy the cinnamon roll or not or consider it to even be an option, right? And I mean, all it is is a budget, right? Like a budget is an algorithm that you set for yourself. Uh, Or diet is an algorithm that you set for yourself. And you establish it and you use it because it helps confound your biases. And even a very simple, even a very bad one Will can function better than your your in the moment thinking in terms of making decisions is the whole idea here, right? Like not the whole idea, but a, sure. a big I mean, part and, of the idea. Yeah, and it's all it's not. Uh, you're talking about it very altruistically. Our good friend Ryan and his wife Rachel uh, had a decision rule of this this kind that when there was chicken and waffles on a restaurant menu, they always had to order chicken yeah. and waffles. <laughs> and how the- do you think the outcome of that is that worked? Do you think it worked better? Do you think it created more or less pleasure than like subjectively deciding? I'm I'm welcome to say that I think that it actually as a net increased their pleasure pleasure in general from eating at restaurants because they don't have to guilt themselves into whether they order the chicken or waffles or not. They don't have to make the decision. Don't get distracted. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Have you encountered them order the chicken and waffles? Oh, yes. I mean, have I yes. have I eaten chicken and waffles with our friends Ryan and Rachel? Oh, you better believe I have, <laughs> sir. You and know, here's the thing. <laughs> on more than one occasion, and let me tell you, a great time was had by all. Here's the thing, though. It's definitely possible that at any one of those places, there could be something on the menu that's better than chicken and waffles that they missed. But that's not what we're asking, right? We're not, we're not aspiring with the algorithm for perfection. We're recognizing that if we were just to pick from the menu it would be largely random and that we wouldn't necessarily get the thing that we enjoy you know we would not be very good at necessarily predicting the thing that we would enjoy but by setting up this algorithm at a time when we have extra time to sit down and seriously consider it then we can come in in the moment resist the resist the bias to be like maybe i do want the korean chipotle wings right like you know look I decided when I had time that I love chicken and waffles. <laughs> and so, like, I'm going to think slowly and I'm going to look at my piece of paper that I keep in my pocket that says, uh, you know, if chicken and waffles, then, you know, you know, 10, you know, if chicken and waffles, then go 20, 20, get chicken and waffles. Right? Like, <laughs> something like those lines. Yeah, get, get chicken and waffles is a, is a, uh, is a whole subroutine. I mean, it's so, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, a, l- a little bit like what is the algorithm, right? Like the diet and kind of adherence to the diet compliance is is an outcome. The algorithm is the system that you put in place to uh, incentivize con- compliance or to, to guarantee compliance or to make a, make a higher likelihood of compliance. You, you, see, you see what I'm saying? Like another yeah, way yeah, you're yeah. trying to stick with the diet is your, your algorithm, your, your problem-solving system, right, could be walk around that block, right? Walk down a different block yeah. than, the, than the one that the, the, um, the thing is on. But, but like getting out the cinnamon roll is sort of – is a sort of interesting example because like as we you know as we get close to winding down i think maybe the last thing that it might be good to talk about is that these things aren't they aren't all as innocuous as as netflix uh cake shows right the the um 
you know, the, the no, by the way, that my example involved a cinnamon roll and I had probably subconsciously anchored in my system one that I was talking about cakes earlier on in the episode. So these biases were all related and the overthinking at podcast is very fast and furious. So I, I will not say that we don't value uh, spontaneous thinking, not by a long shot. Anyway, no, no, no. sorry. We, we, we value spontaneous thinking uh, for sure. You know, I mean, we live our lives one quarter mile at a time <laughs> going as fast and furious as we do. Um, but that like, uh, a lot of, a lot of the time, the kind of the pre- predictive models that are meant to encourage you to get more cocaine, you know, are, uh, sorry, uh, d- sorry, did I say cocaine? I meant like uh, streaming video on Netflix <laughs> to, uh, that, that are meant to like encourage that, uh, that dopamine hit, which is by the way, the same thing that is that goes on in pathological addictive process, right? This it's the same thing that's being, I won't say weaponized, but I will say deployed, mobilized, uh, against you. That is, uh, or, or in your path, whether it's against you or not, I guess is a moral judgment and beyond the scope of the conversation that, that we're having. But the, the, um, uh, it's it's not just that that these same mechanisms are used with kind of persuasive what speech persuasive elements things that are trying to to get you to do things so not just like hey watch more netflix but advertisements you know google and facebook are the two biggest they control you know 80 percent of the the digital ad market if not more and um the the ads that are shown to you based on the sort of the profile that exists of you, your behavior elsewhere, what it can glean about your demographics, your what it can glean about your recent behavior, about your mood, you know, the, uh, I mean, you ever wonder why you go on a website, you know, you look at an item on an e-commerce site and that item seems to follow you around. This is all, you know, this is all very, very uh, highly targeted by the e-commerce companies and you're you're being sort of packaged and sold by Facebook and Google because they'll pay more to uh they'll pay more to retarget you with ads for the I don't know for the hedge trimmers or the you know LED light bulbs or the motor oil or whatever that you uh looked at online because you know they know that if you see it three or five times you're you're a lot more likely to a lot more likely to buy it and and e-commerce people say that some of the best money that they spend is in those kind of performance marketing uh sort of retargeting things but it becomes a more problematic thing when say you're targeting political messages at people you know and by the way you can sort of surround someone with uh you can surround someone with messages that are likely to um, that you know that are likely to increase their susceptibility to certain kinds of political messages. You know, you can soften them up through paid media, through targeted paid media, and then you can deliver the knockout blow through through targeted paid media, right? And so, it's not just a way to kind of. I think, Pete, as we were preparing for this, you talked about like managing the the kind of managing the disjunction between um, uh, agency and intent uh, when it comes to getting people. To to do unhealthy things like like eat a cinnamon roll every single morning, um, but that it also can be weaponized in kind of an 
an intentional way, using it intentionally mm-hmm. to uh, to go to go after people and kind of using these same tools and these same sort of processes to uh, get outcomes that are detrimental not just to the health of the person but to the health of the republic. And that's you know the the the, the extent um, to which that has happened in recent history it, with. Uh, 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 the last presidential election or with Brexit or with what have you, th- this is a uh, hotly contested topic. And you know what? It's only hotly contested because there are people trying to muddy the waters with false information about it. It shouldn't be hotly contested at all. It did happen. So the, the, um, you know, the, it's, it's not all cinnamon rolls, Pete, is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, but I, I've often thought that part of the point of talking about pop culture is we get to talk about other things by talking about pop culture and that way we don't uh we don't set off everybody's trigger alarms i guess or i don't know um yeah i mean i the concept of an availability cascade i think is a really useful concept for people to know and i also would hesitate to attribute it to any individual one individual actor over another in the whole political landscape without measurement right because it's not just something that is happening here and there it's very pervasive the whole idea of like 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 just just the general like social dynamic of social media in general seems to largely be related to the cognitive phenomena of availability cascade wherein coming in contact with stuff that you've come in contact with recently reinforces how much you see the things how much you see of the things that are familiar and available and how much you ignore things that still show up but just aren't what's familiar or available um which you, and it can just it just can snowball uh, to the point where um, I mean you're basically at this point dealing with you know dogma dogmatic approach to religion uh, right where it's like, not even dogmatic but just like um, aesthetic right this idea of like surrounding people with enthusiasm for specific signs and symbols in order to like get them to uh, to only see the 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 things that fit the narrative right which is uh not what the sort of sober old school way that i have of looking at these sort of things tends to play out but but at any rate you know what i'm you know what i'm talking about and it's not and it's not necessarily what you would choose for yourself right if you could make choices about how you consume information i mean we've we've talked on the the website before about you know news and your obligation to be your obligation to be informed and i think there's a little bit of uh, i think a little bit there can be some false consciousness around that because the idea that you can get informed <laughs> Right. Presupposes that you have some agency in terms of what you uh, what you come into contact with, you know, like uh, and and you don't necessarily and you're not going to get it because um, this stuff is is, you know, generally pretty creepy and gross and people don't like to they don't like to talk about uh, uh, companies don't like to talk about what they're doing in this um uh in this sphere and Pete's absolutely right uh that it's not one actor it's yeah. everybody it's everybody a little bit that doesn't mean they're all the same and that doesn't mean the the bad that's done is all the same but uh it is you know definitely there's no one there's really no one with clean hands in uh this field now yeah i just i just feel like it's beneficial it might be beneficial for all of us to consider a little bit 
what rules what like if if you were dealing with you made the comparison earlier between these kinds of relations to incentive behavior as related to kind of uh, drugs, right? And like, how would you deal with, what algorithm would you put in place to protect, you know, within maybe a small group of people, uh, friends from the ill consequences of misusing or, or overusing, like say alcohol, right? Like you like the idea, the designated driver rules are an algorithm. <laughs> right. It's like you set it up ahead of time, you write it down and you have a mechanism for what you do so that you don't make a decision in the moment that you're going to drive drunk. Right. You set up the algorithm. And so and also you learn, OK, well, my friend is starting to stagger a little bit. Their speech is slurring. They're buying lots of drinks for everybody. These are signs that, according to the this algorithm that we set up, should then trigger one of the friends intervening or the bartender intervening and like cutting them off. And. I think that what the challenge is, is not just to identify the things that are evil or bad, but to recognize some sort of measurable indicator of what it is that you want to have happen to you and the people immediately around you with regards to this stuff. And how can you use that measurable information yourself to make decisions like basically like. When do you cut yourself off or have some do you have to have somebody else cut you off if you've spent four hours watching a TV show that you don't even like? Right. And, and like because of your biases and the way that your brain works and you're like, this isn't when this all is said and done. I didn't want to spend four hours of my life, you know, watching the 2009 remake of Life on Mars or whatever it is, whatever that came out, whether it was before or after 2009. Right. But I did. And I did because I don't have control over my brain. But if I had set up an algorithm where it's like, uh, hey, wow, you're slumping really low in your chair and kind of grunting and you've eaten two bags of potato chips, I'm going to cut you off from watching Netflix right now. Right. Like that. That sounds like it might be the kind of thing that would be useful in intervening in these kinds of situations. And, I, and even things like budgets or even sitting down and being like tracking, like what what did I watch that I actually liked? Is there anything that the things that I watch that I actually like have in common that might have some sort of loose correlation with me being able to predict what I would actually want to watch in the future uh, by by the priorities that I'm setting now in this moment, rather than necessarily allowing the the platforms to use their priorities to determine what they're going to put in front of me? Um, I don't have a solution to that. I just wanted to raise that as like a thought or a possibility, because as it is, I'm pretty much just watching Voyager very slowly. Uh, and that's it's kind of what it, well, that Vo- Voyager is very slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's only one way. It just left the solar system again. No, not that. I'm not like watching a live feed of Voyager. It's at least the solar system um, that might be better than the one where the lizards have sex, but uh, or maybe not. Who knows? So the, 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 yeah, it's it's interesting. I really like the. I really like the. Um, the comparison to designated drivers and kind of like social rules around uh, social rules around public drunkenness or, you know, being cut off or, you know, the, the, uh, or, you know, I don't know, go, go home, lizard person, you're drunk. That, like, <laughs> 
<laughs> Tom Paris, you're out of control. <laughs> that like uh, I like I like that. There there are a couple of things that I think militate against doing that. One is that it's generally private behavior undertaken in the home, right? Like you can't you can send someone home from a bar, but you can't send someone home from binge drinking in their home. You know, <laughs> like you can only try uh, taking their taking their twenty four pack away. And my God, if you've but ever- I'm going to watch all of twenty four in one sitting. I have to. <laughs> Don't take away my 24 pack. We don't have time for it right now. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that, that's. It's in- your only play, Matt. It's your only play. <laughs> uh, beep. Boop. Beep. But um, just, it's funny by being. You're so much less whether you're whether you've been overserved in a bar or whether you are at the effect of you know six hours of of you know dour moody uh, British police procedurals right you're you're not in a particularly suggestible frame of mind to like uh, perform self care you know or uh, yeah exactly to to do things like that but like it is. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I do, there is something, there is something to your idea of like, can you track it? Like, what if you put all your, all your digital, what if you put all your media bottle caps in your pocket, right? And took them out at the end of the night and, you know, really had some, really had a little heart to heart with yourself about what your behavior was, had a, I mean, a kind of non-judgmental heart to heart with yourself about what your behavior was and whether it moved you towards or again, towards or away from the person that, that you aspire to be, you know, um, that's an interesting, that's an interesting topic. And I guess the, the thought I'd like to close on a little bit is that whether you're doing it, whatever realm you're doing it in, the pop cultural realm or the other realms that we don't like to talk about on this podcast, right? No one's going to do it but you, right? No, or, or maybe some loved ones, maybe some close trusted people, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they're going to have a guy's grocery games intervention, but, uh, the, (laughs) uh, but, but like, everyone you know uh, no one's looking out for your brain in quite the same way that you will and that that like that's an interesting uh that that you know coming to terms with that you know in a fundamental i you know i don't like um unfettered capitalism every man for himself kind of uh kind of use of the world, but, but coming to terms with it in a sense of a kind of mindful responsibility for, uh, your own behavior, given the world that you find yourself in, right. Is, um, is, you know, at least one potential way forward that you might try to investigate. This makes me want to actually do that and take a log and talk about it in a future podcast. So I think I might actually try to do that. Oh, we'll that's see how that's that a really out. interesting I- yeah. idea. Um, can you keep it in voice memos on your phone and begin it? Captain's log. <laughs> every time you watch it. Hey, Pete, speaking of uh, speaking of anchoring and uh, priming, gosh, Netflix is such a great paid service and it's so good to pay for the media <laughs> that you consume, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, definitely. At and the what very are, least, I mean, think about yeah. Never mind. <laughs> and, wait, no. What? Think about what, Pete? I was going to be think about the things you don't pay for and how garbage they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I mean, such a bargain at you know twelve ninety nine a month or whatever. It is. I, is it terrible that I actually don't even know what Netflix costs anymore? They ke- they keep raising it. It keeps getting charged to the credit card. I'm doing exactly what they want. But hey, Pete, uh, we have this thing on overthinking it called overthinking it memberships and it's only five bucks that's less than the arbitrary number that i uh that i said before yep yep that's very true we cost a lot less than netflix and if you make the deter- if you sit back here's what if you want to support overthinking it i don't want you to make like a, a low friction impulse decision to put us on your credit card and never think about it i want you to be sitting down i want you to make a de- choice to eat something that you really like or drink something that you really like really make that determination to treat yourself and decide that this is something that you want to do for you or for your loved one because if we're not worth that to you i don't want you spending that money i want you to spend the money if it's worth it to to you and if it's something that when you sit back at the end of the day and think about what you're spending your money on you feel good about it because if you do that i think that we've done our jobs and whether we've done our jobs we have no way of measuring so if you could give us feedback that would be really appreciated but we want to do our jobs so we'll figure it out i feel like the whole i feel like the data and analytics department here at overthinking it has been sleeping i got to go bang on some doors and figure out where they're at i mean because i don't know if they exist no no Uh, one's uh we actually have a machine learning never mind <laughs> never we have mind. a machine that's learning but it's learning the old nes speedboat game cobra triangle it's that's the ter- only thing that our machine is learning it's <laughs> yeah exactly it's doing speed runs of of contra or something you know um the uh yeah no one's hands are clean by the way i've bought retargeting ads on on behalf of overthinking it so like uh if you've subscribed to the game of thrones podcast back in the day i don't know if you made that decision or if i made it for you. But uh, thank you very much to the members. We're very grateful for your uh, mindful support of overthinking it. And we're very glad that we can give you uh, extra audio content, including a question of the week that we do occasionally in the, the members area of the uh, the members area of the site. Someone asked me about indiv- a member asked me about individual feeds recently. We don't have individual feeds uh, yet. If you're technical, it has to do with um, our RSS feeds are cached through a third-party thing, so they would have to be generated new for everyone who accessed them. That's a technical hurdle uh, because it creates uh, computational load. The other thing is that the signed URLs for downloading our things are right now windowed at, at uh, two hours for downloading the the members only content, and we would need stable signed URLs. But it is one of those things where, like, eh, do you put stable URLs out there, or do you generate new ones for every every person? But have those be stable? You know, it's uh, uh there are there are a couple of questions and philosophical questions, um, including like if people steal our content, is that just do do we just kind of live with that? Um, as the you know 
uh, as the cost of being upstanding internet citizen. So I, you know, th- these are things that go through my mind uh, endlessly when I think about implementing individual feeds. But it's something that I want to do uh, for our mem- our members, and that I'm I'm working on in my copious spare time. So thank you very much to our members. Thank you for listening, Pete. Thank you for podcasting with me. Uh, oh, I sorry, I didn't plug the URL overthinkingit.com slash join if you want to be a member and head to the homepage and uh, click on the show notes for this episode if you'd like to leave a comment Uh, if you have expertise in this area be particularly interested in hearing uh, your perspective on our conversation um, you know, all the, the, uh, all the mathematicians, all the, the machine learning programmers, all the, the experts in this particular field, it'd be very, very interesting and, and could be, uh, uh, fodder for a great conversation in the comments and great listener, uh, listener comment segment on the episode in the future. All right. We'll be back next week with more overthinking It podcast till then visit us on the web at overthinking it.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. Hey, you've been listening to the Overthinking It podcast for a while now. Are you sure that you want to keep listening to the Overthinking It podcast? Are you still I mean, even we'll, Are you still even there? Are you there? Hello? Is anybody there? Did you guys move and not tell me and just leave me here playing on this phone and or desktop and or laptop and or tablet and or Zoom all by myself? Is anybody home? Oh god, please please leave a comment if you listen to the podcast on a Zoom. I would love to meet you. 